something that we've talked about before and something that gets mentioned a lot throughout the course of a lot of different sermons. But we're going to be talking about how to put the past in the past. How to put the past in the past. There are are a lot of people that the biggest struggles they face being a Christian is their past. One of the biggest things that, that keeps pounding on them uh, as they try to live for today and for the future as a Christian is, is their past. We're going to talk about that um, a little bit this morning. So uh, if you have your Bibles, you can't do this when we're doing it online either, can you? This is God's Word for me today. Those are beautiful. We're going to start off in Romans chapter 8, but this morning as I was in here praying um, the Lord laid something on my heart that I didn't even, didn't even think about when I was preparing the sermon, and I don't know why that is. Um, and, and, and so I didn't quite know if it's a beginning or an ending, but, but I think I'm going to just lead out with it this morning. I'm going to be talking about your past. And the Lord laid on my heart this morning to remember or to recognize in the process of that that you're guilty. Your past, when you think about your past, if you can't acknowledge your guilt, then you're going to struggle from there on out. So, and and I talked a little bit about this in Sunday school. We've all seen a little kid, a two-year-old even, who has done something they weren't supposed to do, and when you ask them if they did it, they say no. That's, That's default response, isn't it? No, I didn't do that. No. That look they have, you know, no. Like... Oh, you're guilty. <laughs> and, and for some reason, no matter how young they are, that's one of the first things that happens is they try not to let you know they're guilty. Well, the fact is you know they're guilty. And the same is true with God. He knows we're guilty. But many times we struggle with acknowledging that it was our fault. And, and as, as I was praying, I really got the sense of realizing, and, and it's, it's not God's fault that we sinned. It's not even the devil's fault we sinned. It's not our neighbor's fault that we sinned. It's not our spouse's fault we sinned. It's not even our kid's fault. And there's many times we can always see some fault in all of those issues, right? But until we admit, maybe they brought the opportunity, but I consented. It was me that actually was at fault. If we can't admit that this morning, we're going to struggle with the whole rest of the process. So that's where I want to start this morning. Romans chapter 8, verses 1 through 4. Now there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do, by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin. He condemned sin in the flesh, in order that the righteousness, the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. 
Thank you, Lord, that when we stand in you, there is now no condemnation. And help us, Lord, to understand how we can put that condemnation to rest as we move forward with you. And I thank you for that today. In Jesus' name, amen. You see, there is a way for us to have victory over our past sins. There is a way for us to have victory over the mistakes that we've made along the way. And so we admit those mistakes. We accept that guilt. We ask for forgiveness. And we can be assured that he forgives. But how do we deal with those things? How do we deal with the past and keep it in the past? One of the first things we're going to look at this morning, and, and, and what I want to do, and I've talked about this before, is to compare a little bit condemnation and conviction. Condemnation is, is something that drags us down, right? When we feel that condemnation from people, it never makes us want to do something good, does it? It never makes us want to be kind and, and loving and helpful when we're being condemned, does it? And when we think about our spiritual life, we need to understand that, the, that, that here in Romans it says, there is no condemnation if you're a Christian. He is not condemning you. When you when, we're going to talk about it, but, but the condemnation is not there as, for a Christian. If you're in Christ Jesus, there is something else at work in your life. The law of the spirit of life has set you free. You're no, not condemned of the, of the law. You see, Jesus is our friend, right? Jesus cares about us. Jesus loves us. And so we think about that attitude that we feel when we're condemned. And, and we just get lower and lower and lower. It, it's You watch... You guys probably don't watch nature shows like I like to watch, but but I was sick for a couple of days uh, this last week or the week before, and one of those days I didn't hardly get out of bed all day, and I just happened to hit the right channel, you know, and it had uh, lions and hyenas uh, all day long for hours, just you know Africa and it was all that awesome stuff, and 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 what they they learned how to destroy an enemy. They find weak enemies, or, or not enemies, but, but food. <laughs> okay. They, they pick out weak ones. Or when they can, they gang up. Right? And that's, that's the way condemnation is on us. If, if, we're, if that condemnation, we're feeling that it's not from Jesus, but the enemy will send that condemnation because he knows he can begin to weaken us, and to destroy us, we have to be weak. Because when we're strong in Christ, he cannot win. But when we become weak, when we allow that, the, the things of life, instead of to bring us up, to, to drop, bring us down, we become weak and we become vulnerable. We can, we can feel like we have no value, and we never will. If you feel like that this morning, let me guarantee you that's not coming from Jesus. I will guarantee you the enemy is trying to weaken you so he can destroy you. Jesus will never tell you you have no value. He will never tell you that he doesn't have a plan or a purpose for your life. He will never tell you that, that nobody loves you and nobody cares about you. 
But condemnation from the enemy will drag you down and try to destroy you, but you don't have to stand for it. Remember, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Revelation chapter 12, verse 10 says, And I heard a voice, a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of the brethren, the brothers, has been thrown down who accuses them day and night before our God. You see, the the accuser, the enemy, he tries to drag us down. He even accuses us before God. He even stands before God and says, hey, you know, you know, Pastor Terry, you know, you know all about him. You know what he's done. You know where he's been. And God just says, wait a minute. You forgot about the cross. You forgot about the fact that he accepted what I did on the cross. Therefore, he has not, is not condemned. So we see that condemnation comes from the enemy. But conviction, now this, this is the good part. Conviction comes from the Holy Spirit. Where condemnation drags us down, conviction helps us to realize that our Lord and our Savior desires that relationship to be restored. Conviction, you know, as, as Adam walked in the garden with God, you know, he walked with him and, and everything was good until Adam sinned, right? And so then when God showed up, guess what? Adam felt conviction. And God says, Adam, what have you done? And then, of course, Adam begins to to blame Eve, and Eve blames a serpent. But God says, listen, because you have listened, you're going to be punished. But why God did that is so Adam would realize he needed to have a relationship with God. That conviction brings us back to a relationship, helps us to realize that where we're at is not where we ought to be. And so instead of pushing us down and under, it comes underneath us and it lifts us up and says, listen, all you have to do is repent and you're right where God wants you. Conviction brings us up. Condemnation pulls us down. I will admit that sometimes when the Holy Spirit convicts us, it hurts. How many have ever felt that? (laughs) Ouch! but it's a hurt that's meant to draw us back to Him. It's something that it hurts when we recognize it, and He does that so that we will come back to Him and come back to the full restoration with Him. You see, I don't ever want to get to a place where I don't feel conviction anymore. I don't ever want to get to a place where I don't feel that conviction when, I, when I'm out of line. Because when I get to that point, sooner or later I'm going to get the condemnation from the enemy, not the conviction. We need to continue to keep our lives in a place where we desire the conviction of the Holy Spirit to help us to stay in the right path where God wants us to be. I'll be honest with you. Sometimes the Holy Spirit will use somebody else to speak into our lives. Sometimes the Holy Spirit will 
use our spouses. If you've got a godly spouse, I thank the Lord for a godly spouse who sometimes he uses to just make me mad because she she points out something to me that I need to fix and I don't like it. But the Lord will use those godly people in your life to help you because sometimes we don't listen to him quite right. But I know that woman of mine, I've been married to for 35 years. I know she would never intentionally do anything to hurt me. But she will be obedient to the Lord when he when she needs to say something to me. And so God will use, maybe God will use the pastor in a sermon or in a one-to-one conversation to say something to you that will bring conviction to you. Maybe the Holy Spirit will use a, a, a TV evangelist or a song on the radio. But if we will let him, he will, he will bring con- conviction to us so that we will be drawn back to him. I thank the Lord that over the years that conviction has saved me many times from mistakes that I could have made from problems that I could have gotten myself into if I hadn't listened and I hadn't responded. You see, conviction causes us to feel sorry for our sin to bring us to repentance. Not sorry. Here's here's the problem that happens sometimes. Sometimes we get sorry because we got caught. Many times we know our kids aren't really sorry for what they did. They're sorry that they got caught, right? They're not sorry they ate that stuff they weren't supposed to eat. They're just real sorry they got caught. There were a lot of times in my life when I was a kid at home, I was sorry I got caught. (laughs) And my dad wanted to make sure I knew that I was caught. And I was sorry that I got it. I was even sorry that We had that one Christmas gift that dad turned into something besides a Christmas gift. But I was sorry because I got caught. Many times, spiritually, people, they come and and they're simply sorry they got caught in their sin. And they want to make it all better, but they don't really want to turn from that sin. They're just sorry they got caught in it. What can I do? Well you got a little bit more than just be sorry you got caught. And, and it seems like, well, what's the difference? But there's a big difference between being sorry you got caught and being sorry you sinned. Being sorry, you know, my wife, she says, if you're not really sorry, don't say I'm sorry, you know. Don't say I'm sorry so you can get me off your back. Not that I would do that. <laughs> but she's not in here, is she? All right. Um. But sometimes we do. We, we just simply say, oh, I'm sorry because, you know, I made you mad. Or I'm sorry, you know, I hurt your feelings. I'm sorry you took it the wrong way. Oh, that, that's not a good one either. Sorry you took that wrong. But am I sorry for what I've done or am I just sorry for the reaction that I got? And so when it seems like such a small thing with God, really it's a big thing because if we're sorry that we got caught, we'll probably just try to figure out a way that we won't get caught next time, right? But if we're sorry for what we've done, we will turn from that thing and we'll say, listen, I don't want to feel that way again. 
I don't want to feel the way I felt in that sin. I don't want that feeling again, so I'm going to not do that anymore. And we're going to ask God to help us to turn from that thing that is destroying us. See, if we constantly think God is holding a grudge against us or constantly trying to punish us for something that we've done a long time ago, then we're not there yet, right? We need to realize that that's not the God that we serve. That's not the kind of God that we serve. When, when we, 1 John chapter 1, verse 9 says, If we confess our sins... He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. When we come to the Lord and we repent of our sin and we're genuinely sorry and we turn from that sin, He washes that sin away and He doesn't hold that against us anymore. He's not going to punish us down the road for a sin that, has, that no longer exists because He's forgiven us. You see, we, we have a hard time as humans understanding that concept, don't we? Because there are times that we think we've forgiven somebody for something until somebody mentions their name. But with God, when it's forgiven, it's forgiven. And He's going to do everything that He can to help lead us in a path that, that keeps us from ever visiting that sin again, from ever doing those things again, if we will just follow him. So, so, so what we, we are doing is we're realizing who God is and, and, and we're comparing and are looking in our lives and realizing that, that conviction from the Holy Spirit truly is meant to lift us up. And the condemnation from the enemy is truly meant to drag us down. And so remembering that scripture, if we're a Christian, if we've asked Jesus to forgive us of our sins, we don't have to be condemned. We are not condemned by God for that past sin. People are going to bring it up. People aren't going to believe you're different. And you know what? You can't prove it sometimes. You just got to keep living it. And if people don't want to buy it, if they don't want to believe it, that's not your problem anymore. Just keep living it. Because God knows. God knows you. He knows who you are. The second thing that I want us to see this morning is that we need to comprehend what Jesus did for us. We think we, we sometimes lose sight of who He really is. Sometimes we don't really understand the depth of what Jesus Christ did so that we no longer have to be condemned for our sin. You see, when I don't know how it all played out. I don't know the conversation. I don't know at what point. But what I do know is that Jesus willingly came to this earth as a child, as a baby. Jesus willingly lived His life to die on the cross for us. And I think sometimes we get a little bit lackadaisical with the fact of what the price that Jesus really paid. We talk a lot about it a lot around Easter. We sing a lot about, you know, year-round really. But I think sometimes we get a little bit desensitized 
because, you know, people don't like to talk about it a lot, and I understand that. But as Christians, we, we have to fully comprehend what he has done for us. Romans 5.8, but God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. See, our view of our past changes when we include a view of the cross. Our view of the past changes when we include our view of the cross. You don't have to live in that past. You don't have to live there because the cross came along and Jesus laid his life out and he gave his life so that our past can be forgiven. Maybe are you going to have to live with some consequences in the natural from your past? Yeah. If you commit a crime and you go to prison and you get saved, does that mean you get out of jail free? Is that a get out of jail free card? No. But it's a get out of hell free card. He paid the price. And so, yeah, you may have to live with an earthly consequence of your actions, but you can be assured that the heavenly consequence is he gave his life for you and now you are on your way to heaven. We need to understand his great love for us. It's hard for us to comprehend because we see things as humans see things, right? We, we see that at, at when somebody hurts us, we can envision, we know how it, what it does to us. And even if that person apologizes, we still feel that hurt and that pain of what they've done, and that's how we relate it. But God wants us to understand this morning that His love for us is so much bigger than we can comprehend. We need to try to understand His love is so big that when we come to Him in repentance, He wipes it away. There's nothing in our past any longer that can be held over our head by God because He washes it away. It's gone. Not the human kind of forgiveness. It's the divine kind. God's love for his creation caused him to make the ultimate sacrifice. God's love for you and for me was enough that he was willing to give his son for us. It wasn't anything that we could do. We, we don't have the most gifted and talented minister. The, the, the greatest soul winner that ever lived does not have enough to pay back what God has done. Thank God they're doing their work. So it's not a, it's not a merit badge that says, oh, look at me, okay, I did this, so now I but it's a complete sacrificial love that says while we were still sinners, he gave his life for us. I remember my grandpa, the Lord had been dealing with him about getting saved and grandpa was, grandpa, and this is one of the first people, ever, he did it a little different than most, Grandpa, was he smoked his pipe, and Grandpa had a little bit of a temper, and Grandpa was a little ornery in his younger days. 
But when he realized he was headed for the altar, before he got saved, he, he quit smoking his pipe. Grandpa tried to work himself, clean himself up a little bit, and then one day he just gave it all. He could have just gave it all and been, went from there. But God, while we were still in the middle of it, of our sin, he gave his son for us so that when we came to that point, it was ready. We look at it in human terms. Well, as soon as they apologize to me, as soon as they, you know, as soon as they do this and they do that and they do that, well, then I'll say, okay, it's good. I'll give, do this or that. Christ died for us here so that we would come to him and it would, the price would be paid. We, we don't, we don't always, it's, it's hard for us to comprehend that kind of love, isn't it? it? Maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm small, my small brain. But it's hard for us to comprehend that because we live in the flesh. And we know how we react. And we know what, that person. They got what they deserved. While we were still a mess. He loved us enough to die for us. That's what we need to comprehend this morning if we want to get the past and put it where it belongs. The last thing I want us to talk about this morning is committing to live according to the Spirit. So we realize the conviction. We realize and we're comprehending who He is and what He's done. And so then we move another step and we commit and say, you know what, Lord, I want to give my life to you. I want to live for you in spite of what may take place. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Here's what Paul has to say. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable. You see, there comes a point when we have to say, okay, I give it all to you, Lord. I commit myself to you. This, this scripture, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Daily decide, daily commit, daily make that, that firm dedication to the Lord. Today I'm going to serve you. Today I'm going to follow your plan. Today I'm going to do what you asked me to do. Today I know that you're going to walk with me. Today I know that you're going to carry me. Today I know that you're going to forgive me. Today I know that you're going to strengthen me. I'm a living sacrifice to you, Lord. I'm going to live my life in such a way that I don't want to fail you. I don't want to hurt you. I don't want to fall away from you. And so you wonder, how do I defeat the past? How do I defeat the whatever you want to call it? Dedicate your present to the, to the Lord Jesus. Make that determination that every day, not just today, not just Sunday, January 27th, 2019, but Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday, I'm going to get up and I'm going to live as a living sacrifice to the Lord, holy and acceptable 
living for Him, trusting in Him, listening to Him, obeying Him. We, uh, as we walk through life, our flesh, we have this flesh that so desires so many different things. It's okay to have desires and wants. It's okay to, and we've talked about that hundreds of times. But we truly have to discern what is the flesh and what is the spirit. What are those things in our life that we're desiring that are going to lead us closer to God? And what are those things that are going to lead us further away from the Lord? You see, not every, not every desire... How do I want to put this? Not every desire is sinful. It's not sinful to want this or want that unless that is going to lead you away from God's plan and purpose for your life. That desire may not be, may not be sinful until God says, no, I don't want you to do that. Well, this dude over here is doing it and he's a good Christian. Or that sister over there has that and she's a good Christian. There's many things, I'll be honest with you, there's many things in my life that God says no to that he may allow somebody else to do. That's not for me to decide. That's not for me to, that's just for me to obey. My, my, my calling is to obey. And whether or not somebody else has it or doesn't, and it may not even be wrong for them. I'm not saying, well, they sinned because they, no! For them, and God might have said, hey, go ahead, that's great, go ahead. But for you, maybe it would cause me to stumble. Maybe it would cause me to lose to lose my focus on what's, what he has for me. Didn't cause them to lose focus, but maybe it would for me. And I, that, I hope you understand what I'm saying because in my own life, I've seen those things happen time and time again where God would say, no, that's not for you. It's okay for them, but it's not for you. And so when we live our, live our lives a living sacrifice, what we're saying is it doesn't matter, God, whether it's what I want, I want what you want. And if it's okay with you, then that's good. But if it's not, I don't want it. And hopefully you have that arrangement in your marriage. That you're not living a self, selfish life that says, well, I don't care if you want me to have it or not, I'm going to have it. I did that once. I, there was this, oh, you've heard the story, this little $300 boat. This guy at work had I had $300 or $350. And it was just a little fishing boat. My wife said, you know, this was years and years ago. She says, we, we can't afford that. I said, it's only $300. I said, I'm buying that boat. I got the boat. I got it home. Tornado came, took that boat, plop, right down to mud, motor and all. And of course, that's not covered under insurance because it's got a motor on it. And I, you know, and that boat never got in the water maybe once or twice. Never did run very good. I'm like, Seriously? And my wife, once in a while, will bring that up as we laugh about it. At the time, <laughs> I was right and you were wrong, right, honey? Yeah, you're right. I was wrong. <laughs> but your, your marriage relationship should be one where you don't deliberately do something that your spouse doesn't want you to do. How much more should your relationship with God be as you're walking as a living sacrifice saying, God, whatever it is you want, that's what I want. See, that, that's where I believe the key is. 
developing a desire for what God wants for you. Instead of saying, God, I sure hope you want for me the same thing I want for me. <laughs> That'd be good, wouldn't it? But saying, God, help me to develop a desire for what you want for me. If we're truly living as a living sacrifice, just the word sacrifice kind of says it, don't it? Sacrifice. Giving up your will for His will. Giving up your desire for His desire. And I guarantee, I'm going to tell you something. If and when we do that, we're going to see how much better His desire was anyway. We're going to see how much better His will is anyway if we will just do what the Apostle Paul says, live our lives as a living sacrifice. And as we live our lives and, and we feel the Holy Spirit, or we think that we feel the Holy Spirit speaking to us, uh, we realize His, His, the Holy Spirit will never contradict the written word. The Holy Spirit will never tell you to do something that's contrary to what the Word of God says. So, you know, there are a lot of crazy things out there that, People are saying, well, God told me to do that. Wait a minute, the Bible says not to do that. So there's no way God's going to tell you to do something that he's already said don't do. <laughs> so just kind of a little side note there. We're getting ready to close here. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16 says this. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. We want to get that old past buried where it belongs. Walk in the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit. Listen to the Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is not going to dig that up and throw it in your face. The Holy Spirit is not going to try to make you feel condemned over your past. He's going to convict you for the now. He's not going to condemn you for the past. That's not how He operates. You see, you can put the past in the past and keep it there. No matter how many times the devil tries to remind you of it, no matter how many times people that you've known in the past try to remember you as that person, the Bible tells us we're not that person anymore. When we accept Christ, what's he call us? A new creation. A new creation. Zach told me yesterday, he says, I think it was yesterday, he says, Grandpa, I think you're growing some more hair. Maybe I'm a new creation. No. I don't know what he was seeing. But but when we give our lives to Christ, we are a new creation. We are this, this old person that you, that you live in, body you live in, you're a new creation. The old things are passed away. Those things, when you accept Christ, those things are gone. Let them stay gone. Don't let the devil, you know, if the devil wants to try to throw them in your face, just laugh at him. If your friends try not to let you be who you are in Christ, you say, listen, I know who I am. God knows who I am. I'm a new creation. It's not going to be easy. I'm not going to say it's going to be easy, but I believe it will work if you will trust in Him. See, it doesn't matter if it's this morning's past or the past from 10 years ago or 20 years ago. Let God have it. Let God have it. Let Him put it where it belongs. No more condemnation. Recognizing who He is and committing ourselves to follow after Him. Bow your heads and close your eyes this morning. <clears throat>
Like, obviously, as I prepare a sermon, I have no idea who's going to be here. I, I don't know what, what it's going to look like. I don't know what, what's going to happen throughout the course of the service. But, but what I do trust and what I do believe in is that the Holy Spirit is going to bring the right people to hear the right message. And so this morning, maybe, maybe this last week or month or whatever, you've been dealing and you've been battling with your past. I will first ask you, have you committed it to him? Have you asked him to forgive you? Have you repented? And are you ready to turn from that? And if you have, then it's not him that's bringing it up. It's the enemy trying to condemn you. And I would say this morning is that you can walk in forgiveness. But if you're here this morning and you say, Pastor, I, I haven't given my past to him yet, but today I want to. I want to tell you that you can offer him yourself. You can say, Lord, I am sorry for my sin. I am sorry for my past, and I want to give it to you today. And the word tells us that when we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, just like I read earlier. He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us. Maybe you're in here this morning and you're a Christian. And you're, you're moving forward for the Lord, but it seems like every time you try to take another step, the devil just tries to show you about how you're not worthy. The devil tries to show you that you don't have any worth as a Christian because of what you did whenever it was you did it. But let me tell you this morning, if you're a Christian, you can stand up and you can say, listen, I'm not going by what you say or what you see. I am going to live in what Jesus Christ has done in my life, and I'm going to live according to what he sees in me. And we can begin to, to just put our faith and trust in him, and that past is no longer going to be held over us. So no matter where you find yourself this morning, I believe the Holy Spirit wants you to walk out of this place in victory. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed this morning. I'm just going to ask... For a show of hands, if you're here this morning, you would like me to pray with you at the closing because you've been struggling with your past even though you know that you've given it to God, but yet the devil just keeps wanting to drag you down. I want you to raise your hand. I want to close this time. Yes. Yes, I see those hands. Thank you for your, your response to the Holy Spirit this morning. As I ask this last question, if you're here this morning and you would say, Pastor, I... I haven't given my past to the Lord, but today I want to be released from it. I want forgiveness, and I'm going to move forward with Jesus. If that's you this morning, I want you to raise your hand. I want to, I want to pray for you as well, that the Lord would show you His love and His mercy today as only He can do. Would there be one this morning who would say, Pastor, that's me? Won't we stand? So we close this morning, I, I, if you raised your hand, I just want you to trust that the Lord is going to meet you and the Lord is going to help you and the Lord is going to do for you what you have the need this morning as you responded to him. Lord, this morning, I thank you for those that raised their hand. And Lord God, the old devil wants to kill and to steal and to destroy.
And he will do that by bringing condemnation and he will try to drag us into his pit. But Lord, this morning as brothers and sisters in the Lord, we agree together that that is not happening because there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And we are going to put that old past right back where it belongs in the past and we're going to walk in faith and victory when we walk out of this place. We are children of the living God. We are blood-bought, born again, and the devil has no part in our past or our future because we are walking in faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, this morning, we are going to walk a new step. We are going to walk a new way. We're going to recognize and realize that we are walking out of here in victory over our past because it is truly past. And you are truly the victor. And Lord, we thank you for that today. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys.